We'll be in Galatians today. I mentioned earlier in the service just the heaviness of the times. Meredith and I will find ourselves like three, four, five o'clock in the afternoon just exhausted. And we'll be like, what's the matter with us? Why are we so tired? And then we'll think through all the stuff that we've thought about or tried to figure out or interacted with people about up to that point in the day. And each one of those in of themselves would be enough to wear someone out. Just all the things we're trying to figure out these days and the seriousness and the true danger uh, that lurks about and a lot of the things that we're all wrestling with these days. And I have to imagine that you're feeling that too, that you're experiencing that as well. Well, I'm so glad that as your pastor, what I get to do is proclaim to you and remind you regularly of good news. Christianity is all about good news. You see plenty of bad news. You hear plenty of bad news. You encounter plenty of bad news. But here I have for you good news, great news. Now we're returning to Galatians because last fall we set this to be our book for the fall. Uh, I know we, it seems like we ended Matthew kind of abruptly because, well, we got COVID. <laughs> and, um, but I wanted to stick to the plan and get back to Galatians for the fall. We'll return to Matthew later on. But Galatians is all about good news. Our deepest problem has been solved. There's lots of problems. There's plenty of problems, and they're important, and there's lots that we need to think about and wrestle with. But never forget that your deepest down root problem has been solved through Jesus Christ. I've told you this before, but when Lillian was little, um, she was telling us that one of her teachers took on some janitorial work at the school, and we said, well, how do you know? She said, well, he always comes into the classroom talking to the teachers about issues going on with like the facilities, and he'll just come in and be like, blah, 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 problems. And we quote that all the time, just blah, 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 problems. That's what it sounds like. That's what it feels like these days whenever you turn on the news or turn on your radio. It's just blah, 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 problems. There are a lot of problems. And it can be easy to fixate on any one of those problems and for that problem to seem like the problem. But unless that problem is the fact that your sin has separated you from your God, it's not the actual ultimate problem. That's the actual ultimate problem of humanity. That's the root cause. From that problem springs all kinds of other problems, but that's the deep down foundational problem. And you can't solve that problem, but God has solved that problem through Jesus Christ. And that is such good news. I've told you that I've believed it since I was eight, and many of you maybe are similar to that, and so you're kind of used to it. Seems like old news. But imagine that you're hearing it for the first time. You know all those problems? Well, they all stem from one main root deep down problem, and that one's already been solved. And it's not anything that you have to do. It's something that God already has done through Jesus Christ. He has solved the problem of the fact that our sin has separated us from God. It's such good news. Galatians is all about this good news. It's how he introduces the book. This morning is going to be a brief sort of review of the first three chapters, so we're ready to hit the ground running at our next passage from last fall. But if you look at Galatians 1, 
verses 3 and 4, and how he introduces the book. Just let it remind you of the good news of Jesus Christ. Galatians 1, verse 3, says, Grace to you and peace. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So this is the good news. It's grace offered to you and it's peace offered to you that God has made a way for your sins to be forgiven and for you to be delivered. How does it say it? Delivered from the present evil age. Now this is the best news in all of human history. It's deeper than anything. It's, it's more important than anything else. It's more precious than anything else. It's what has generated and sustained the church for centuries, and yet many people turn away from it. Many people will just let it go and ignore it and turn away. We have seen this happen. I have seen this happen with individuals and with churches. It is possible, and I think we've all seen individuals seem like they got a hold of this good news, even get baptized, even join a church, even do Christian things, and yet eventually turn away from it and prove that they never actually did have it in the first place. And I bet we've all seen examples of churches who were faithful for generations, and then something happened to where slowly and subtly they started to turn away from this good news and they no longer talked about Jesus anymore, and they no longer proclaimed this gospel anymore. That somehow happens. It was happening among the Galatians. That's the purpose of the letter. And it could happen to us. It could happen to you. As good as this news is, you could turn away from it. As good as it is, we as a church could turn away from it. It's happened before. The Galatians were turning away because there was a group of people there who were trying to get people to trust in Jesus in addition with something else, with Jewish law. Listen to what Paul writes as he goes on into verses 6 and 7. He says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. These people in the Galatian churches were distorting the gospel of Christ by saying to people, yes, it's good that you're trusting and following Jesus. He is the Messiah, but you also need to do these religious things in order to be right with God and to be saved. And in so doing, they were twisting and distorting the true gospel of Jesus into something different. And it was working. And people were turning away from the true gospel for a false gospel. And that's the most disastrous thing that could possibly happen. And it was happening to them, and we don't want it to happen to us because it could still happen. So the main message of this morning is the main message of the book of Galatians. Just hold on tight to the true gospel. And realize that we are in a world with an enemy 
that is constantly working to undermine our faith in the true gospel of Jesus Christ. He's clever and he's subtle, but he's always prying at our grip to try to get us to turn loose of the good news, the true gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus alone, and to instead grip hold of distorted gospels and different gospels. So what I have for you this morning in kind of recapping these first three chapters is just two points, is two questions to ask that will help us to identify if what we are hearing is a false gospel. Two questions to ask because it's not always as easy to discern as you might think if what you're hearing is actually a false gospel. So the two questions I'll tell you on the front end in case you're so tired from the week that you can't hang with me through the whole sermon. Where is it coming from and where is it pointing to? That's your two questions. Where is it coming from? Consider the source. Where is it pointing to? Consider the Savior that is pointing you to. So let's look at that first question, and I'll show you where that comes from here in the text. Where is it coming from? Consider the source. Think about how much input you've received this last week. Just think about how much information has come into your mind over the course of this last week. Like, really think about it. If it were all to be put into a transcript, how many pages do you think it would be? Now, how confident are you in the credibility of all those sources of everything? Some of them are very credible. Some of them you know for a fact are not credible. Then there's a whole continuum in between. And you've got to navigate all that as you build your worldview and try to understand what's going on around you. Now, I'm certainly not here to parse all that out and tell you who's credible, who's not credible out there in the world. But what I can do, and the most important thing that I can do for you and what Galatians does for us, is it does clarify who to listen to for the deepest things, for the most important things, for the good news. So the true gospel comes directly from Jesus Christ himself. You'll know it's the true gospel if it's coming from Jesus Christ. Now, how, how do you hear from Jesus now? He's not physically here walking among us now. Well, here was Jesus' method. Jesus, when he was ready to begin his public ministry, you'll remember he gathered around him disciples. And those disciples traveled everywhere with him, and he taught them through uh, physical demonstration and through verbal teaching everything he needed them to know. And then he promised them after he did what he needed to do on the cross, he was going to give to them a helper, the Holy Spirit, who was going to bring to their mind everything that he taught them. And so sure enough, Jesus died on the cross. He paid for our sins on the cross. He arose from the grave. He's our living Savior and Lord. And then he gathered those disciples, and he said, now I want you to go, therefore, and proclaim this good news to all the nations. Make disciples of all nations. Acts, we get into Acts, they receive the Holy Spirit. He empowers them supernaturally to go forth transmitting the good news, the true gospel. And that's what started the whole Christian church. That's what's recorded in Scripture. It is Jesus' true gospel transmitted through his authorized apostles who were gifted by the Holy Spirit to put it down in writing for the church to be sustained in perpetuity until Jesus returns. 
And this is the source, the only source, for the true gospel. As we read on into Galatians chapter 1, verses 11 through 12, we see this is what Paul is trying to emphasize as he encourages the Galatians not to let go of the true gospel. He says in verse 11, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel. For I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. Paul, the other apostles, these were not geniuses. These were not innovative thought leaders. These were basically mailmen, not like male versus female men, like postal service worker, mailmen. They were just messengers. That's what an apostle is. So they were just delivering faithfully what Jesus gave them to deliver, the true gospel of salvation through faith in Jesus alone. The people among the Galatian churches who were troubling them with a distorted gospel were coming up with their own ideas and their own interpretations, but they were not based on Jesus' authoritative gospel through the apostles. So if we want to protect ourselves from falling into false gospels, this is a great first question to ask. Where is this coming from? So, for example, from your preachers, starting with me and anyone else that you might listen to on the radio or watch on television, are they preaching the authoritative word of God handed down through the authorized, Holy Spirit-empowered apostles or are they preaching their own ideas and their own agendas? The closer it is to the text of Scripture, the more credible and reliable it is. The further away it gets, the more suspect it becomes, and the more work you have to do to make sure this is not something false. So watch out for that with me. I could, who knows, your pastor could get swept into some false gospel. And I could start preaching to you a little bit of scripture, but then basically close my Bible and come off and go off on some tangent that is no longer the true gospel. It's just Matt Broadway's ideas. That's extremely dangerous. And a lot of preachers do do that. I probably have done that sometimes. So I want you to be careful, active listeners. Is it the truth? How do we know it comes from God's authorized Holy Spirit and empowered, inspired word. It's not man's gospel. When we read books, Christian books, the best Christian books will quote a lot of scripture and stick tight to what scripture says. And the more the book gets away from that into the author's own ideas, the more work you have to do to make sure, is this true? And then you have to bring the Bible over close and look and see, does this line up? More often than you might think, it, it may be a little bit off. And a little bit off is actually a pretty big deal when it comes to the true gospel. So be careful as you read. Uh, whoever, whatever influencers you follow on social media, is the messaging that they're putting out there this or this the, themselves? Be careful who's influencing you. Especially young people who have even more influencers trying to influence them. They're not trying to influence you for your good. They're trying to influence you for more money from the advertisers that will pay them to get you to look at their feeds. They're probably not proclaiming to you the true gospel. 
probably false. Be careful. In conversation with your friends, they're giving you advice. They're trying to tell you what's true. They're trying to talk to you about problems and help you understand them. Are they biblically informed friends? Or are they non-Christian friends who are clever and have good thoughts? And They might be helpful, but they're not really talking about what the Bible says. They're just talking about what their gut instinct is or what their grandma told them. The further the friendship advice gets from the text of Scripture, the more work you have to do to try to discern, is this even true? So we want to protect ourselves from latching on to false gospels. A great first question to ask is, where is this coming from? Consider the source. Second question that God inspired in the book of Galatians for his people to ask is, where is it pointing to? So where is it coming from? Where is it pointing to? We want to consider the source. We also want to consider the Savior that whatever good news we're hearing is pointing us to. False gospels really are not often that dramatically different from the true gospel, and that's what makes it so tricky. Here, these people, they call them Judaizers, they were not trying to completely transform the gospel. They were just trying to add a little bit to it. Trust in Jesus plus fulfill Jewish law and you'll be saved. It wasn't renounce your faith in Jesus. It was continue to trust in Jesus, but you also need to do fill in the blank in order to be right with God. And in that little addition, it completely distorted the gospel into something else. Trying to false preachers that lurk about. They're not trying to get us to convert from Christianity. They're just trying to get us to slightly pivot from trusting solely in Jesus as our Savior. That's all they need to do. The true gospel is crystal clear that salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. He is the sole Savior. He is the only hope for humanity's deepest problems. Jesus, repentant faith in Jesus, his death on the cross and his resurrection. This is the point Paul makes in Galatians chapter 2, verses 15 through 16. This could very well be the theme verse, the, the, the marquee section of the letter. It says, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. That might be confusing, but that's for a different sermon. Here's where I want you to really zero in. It says, yet we know that a person is not justified or made righteous or counted righteous by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. We also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. Jesus plus any work that you do is a false gospel when it comes to being justified, being made right in God's eyes, being accepted by God, being loved by God. Jesus plus anything else is false. It could be some legalism. It could be some religious requirements or activities, some morality in particular, some particular stance on particular issues, uh, some subgroup to belong to. None of that saves you, and none of that contributes anything to your salvation. It's only faith in Jesus that saves you. 
It's like chemistry, which I don't understand well enough to even use this as an illustration. But if I remember well enough, if you add anything to that chemical compound, it's something different now. That's probably not even accurate. I should have even said that. Don't add anything to Jesus for your security and your salvation. Matt had a really good illustration at youth. We talked about this on Wednesday, and one of the kids had a water bottle. That water bottle is water. You drink it, it's great. You add one little drop of poison to it, it's no longer water. It's poison, even though the majority of it is water. It just takes that one drop to completely transform it into something different. And that's the way it is with our justification before God. Faith in Jesus is wonderful. It's awesome. It's sufficient to make you right with God. And you add one little drop of your own contribution of good works or religiosity to it, and it poisons it. It changes it completely into something else. We're saved through faith in Jesus. It's, it's hard to repent of our sins and trust and follow Jesus. It is. It may be harder to repent of our self-justification and self-righteousness in order to trust and follow Jesus. We live in a delusional world where everybody is trying to justify themselves. Everybody is trying to signal their righteousness through the causes they connect themselves to, through posting the right things on social media, whatever it is. And it's delusional because the Bible teaches that our righteousness is like filthy rags compared to God's perfect, holy righteousness. We're like little kids. You know, I, I know I've used this before, but I think of a little kid who's got spaghetti all over their face, and they take their spaghetti-soaked napkin and try to clean it. And they're like, okay, now I'm clean. When we try to clean ourselves up by our own acts of righteousness and self-justification, we're just making it worse. Because deep down, I think we all know that our acts of righteousness are tainted by pride, tainted by selfish ambition. They're tainted by our sin. So God's not looking for us to contribute anything toward our salvation. He has provided everything through Jesus Christ. As Christians, we do not have to be a part of this screaming fray of people trying to justify themselves and proclaim their righteousness and clobber anyone who seems less righteous or who questions their righteousness. We're made righteous humbly like little kids through the gift of faith in Jesus Christ. That's why it's good news. Jesus Christ gave himself for our sins to deliver us from this present evil age. We're justified by faith in Christ. You don't have to be, become perfect also for God to love you. You don't have to trust in Jesus and make perfect parenting decisions for your kids for God to love you, embrace you, and accept you. You don't have to trust in Jesus and get all of this political confusion correct for God to love you and embrace you and accept you. You do not have to trust in Jesus and navigate this crazy COVID vaccine, mask mandate, what do we do, what do we not do perfectly for God to love you and embrace you and accept you. If you are trusting in Jesus as your Savior, you have it all. God's full love and acceptance because you're in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul means when he talks in Galatians 2, verse 20. He says, in terms of 
self-justification and trying to make myself right. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. That's such a humble, childlike approach. Uh, in terms of being righteous, I'm, I was crucified with Christ. I'm contributing nothing to it. I'm completely absorbed into Jesus in terms of when God looks at me. That's the good news of Christianity. There's grace there in the good news. There's peace there in the good news. There's deliverance from this present evil age. There's justification and righteousness. So, don't desert him who called you in the grace of Christ. Don't turn to a different gospel, a distorted gospel. There really is no other good news other than Jesus Christ. Only distortions. And when you're preached to, when you're receiving messaging about the deepest problems of life and how to be saved and ask these questions, where is this coming from? Is it informed by Jesus' true gospel? And where is it pointing me to? Is it pointing me to Jesus as the sole Savior or something in addition to him or something other than him? And if so, it's a false gospel and it's to be rejected immediately. We have in our hands the best news ever, and it is the news that the world needs. So it's good that we'll spend time this fall strengthening our grip on it. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you that he died on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you that he arose from the grave, that he is alive, he is our living Savior and Lord. And I pray that you would help us to trust in him as our Savior, to forsake our sin and our self-righteousness, to humbly be cleaned up, to humbly receive your forgiveness. Lord, let us live in the freedom of this good news and the joy of this good news this week. In Jesus' name, amen.